Over 200,000 of the homeless people in the United States of America are women and girls. The most needed and understocked item in homeless shelters, feminine hygiene products. Joy Road Media is proud to tell you about the Clean Love Project. The Clean Love Project's mission is to help women and young girls feel clean, loved, and empowered by distributing clean love kits to alleviate their hygiene needs. Go to thecleanloveproject.org to find out how you can help. The Clean Love Project focuses on the Metro Detroit area, but it also distributes kits worldwide. If you are a female in need of a clean love kit, go to thecleanloveproject.org and request one today. Joy Road Media is a proud supporter of The Clean Love Project at thecleanloveproject.org. Well, <laughs> you made me watch Super Mario Brothers. I did. Thank you. You're welcome. You hated it. I just don't think that you can complain about Streets of Fire anymore. I mean, I don't think you're wrong. <laughs> it's not. I Like, I know it's not a good movie. <laughs> but as a little kid, I loved it. And I feel like it brings up, you know, it's nostalgic for me. So I, I still enjoyed it. But. Yeah. Like, I can see it's a bad movie. It's a very bad movie. <laughs> I coincidentally just listened to an interview with John Leguizamo on Gilbert Gottfried's Amazing Colossal Podcast. Mm -hmm. And he was, they brought <laughs> Super Mario Brothers up a couple of times. And he was talking about how he passed up Antonio Banderas's role in Philadelphia to <sighs> be in this. Ouch. Philadelphia, I believe, won the Oscar for the best picture that year. I think it did. And his logic was, he was like, you know, they, they keep saying that video game movies are going to be a big thing. This could be a start of a huge franchise. So, of course, I'm going to do this. Mm -hmm. John Leguizamo is a person that will do Hollywood films in order to finance his own productions and stuff. Like, he did this, um, I can't remember what the name of One Man Show was, but he learned Spanish in order to do the show in Spanish in Colombia, which kind of opened up other performers like Beyonce and, and people like that to start performing in Colombia. So, um, hmm. yeah. So I could see him going, well, here's an AIDS movie. That's very touchy. Or here's a movie that I'm going to make a lot of money on because it could be potentially it could be a franchise. Yeah, yeah. This could be, the Marvel Universe. This could be the Nintendo-verse. Yeah. And in fairness to him, on paper, it's a good move, you know? Yeah. I mean, you don't know how... I don't think anyone could imagine how bad this movie was. <laughs> Dennis Hopper's son asked him afterwards, like, Dad, why did you make that movie? And Dennis Hopper said, I had to buy you shoes. And his son said, I didn't need shoes that bad. <laughs> Well, let's run through the plot really quickly, because okay. it's it's I, not true to the video game, obviously. I have one last piece of trivia, and then we'll get into the plot. And, okay. Uh, Fiona Shaw is in this. She yeah, from is, Killing Eve. Yeah, she's the director in Killing Eve, and uh, she was Harry Potter's evil aunt. Yes. Um, you know, she's a, 
a theater actress yes, and, and a Shakespearean actress. A, yeah, classically trained. Yes. Actress. She knew that the cast needed something to wash <laughs> off the movie. So she arranged for the cast to do get together on weekends and do like Shakespeare readings and stuff like that. <laughs> Uh, just oh, to balance so it out. funny. And which was kind of cool because like John Leguizamo and Fisher Stevens had worked together on a play before, mm-hmm. but this was their first time doing a movie. And it was because of that, that they ended up becoming best friends and they are still sweet. best friends. I think that's cool. Yeah. So, I mean, like, is it really all that bad if. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not friends with Fisher Stevens. Okay. I'm not friends with John Leguizamo. I guess. What I mean is, for them, it's not that bad. For the audience, okay. You know what? It gave the guy who played the uh, parking lot attendant from Ferris Bueller's Day Off a chance to have a meaty role and not play a racial stereotype. Yes. So, yeah. Yes. Okay. What did we just watch? <laughs> All right. Go through the plot. So, I'm going to just really, because it's incredibly complicated for no reason. I think the problem was because they were writing it as they were going. Yeah, that could be the problem, too. So, essentially, what happens is in the very beginning of the movie, there's a woman running through the rain holding what you think is a baby, but it ends up being, like, a case, and she puts a stone on it and leaves it at the door of a church. The nuns open it. It's an egg that immediately hatches, and it's a baby, and they're like, I don't know what that's about, but it's a baby. Baby grows up to be... A college student in archaeology or something like that. So they're digging in Brooklyn and they find dinosaur bones. So they have to put a stop on some kind of construction thing that's going on. And Luigi sees her and thinks she's beautiful. So he like takes her out on a date and she's like, you want to see what I'm working on? And he's like, yeah, sure. So they go into this cave and everyone ends up in an alternate universe sort of thing or another dimension right where the dinosaurs were like the origin species species lizards were the origin species Mm -hmm. and it's all run by king koopa king koopa wants this girl daisy because she's like the princess and the stone that she was given in the beginning of the movie is actually part of a meteorite that if it's put back together will merge the two dimensions and I guess he wants to take over the world or something. <laughs> it's not yeah, super clear. Yeah. Well, I think it's because the dimension that they're in outside of the city, it's all desert. Mm-hmm. So Koopa wants to be in our dimension where he could inhabit the entire planet. Yeah. So the Mario brothers are trying to help save Daisy and um, the stone is lost almost immediately. It gets stolen from them by a mugger who's, mm-hmm. who's a sassy black lady with like spiky, a spiky red outfit on. Yeah. Um, so they almost immediately lose the stone. The goal uh, for them is to get the stone back and to get Daisy back and to save the day. Koopa's trying to get the stone and the girl to, merge the meteorite it's so confusing it's such a complicated plot but when you think about it really because we were making jokes at the end about how avengers ripped off mario brothers because as they merge dimensions they kind of like dissolve into dust yeah just like 
the snap. Yeah, just like Avengers. Thanos does. Yeah. And um and then there's a post credit scene just like the every Marvel, Marvel movie. movies. Yeah. When you think about it, like what the hell was Thanos's plot of getting rid of half the life in the gal in the universe like like none of those movies make a whole lot of sense either that's true the only one that really has a bad guy that has a sensible plot in any of the marvel movies for the most part is in black panther mm-hmm. <laughs> like yeah in black panther arguably killmonger could be the hero like it's such that movie is such shades of gray, but yeah. any movie like this, the bad guy's plot is always like, what? You want the thing to do the stuff to, to make do the- what? Yeah. yeah. King Koopa has a, a ray gun or something like that, that um, causes de-evolution. So like when he does it to the people who are in his dimension, they turn into Goombas. So like lizard people. If he does it in the other dimension, they turn into monkeys. So it's like... Now, the Walk the Dinosaur song that's in this, mm-hmm. the band is like a um, like a powerhouse combo band. It's like George Clinton and Don Was. Yeah. And the band is called The Goombas. And I wonder if that was made specifically for this movie. Like, I remember that being kind of a radio hit. Yes, it was. Back in the day. It was. Yeah. But I wonder if it was a radio hit totally put together by the studio for this. Probably... I would say most likely yes. I'll find out. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like it was because I remember hearing that on the radio before the movie came out. Or at least when the movie came out, I heard it on the radio. Well, let me give you a little bit of trivia about the writers. Because oh, this is right up your alley. Spoiler alert. It's going to involve sharks and murder. Ooh, okay. So three people are um, credited with writing this, or they were forced to add their <laughs> names on it. Yeah. I would imagine the WGA arbitration was like, no, are you sure a different writing team didn't write more? So it was um, oh. it, it was a writing team. Um, it was uh, a guy named Terry Runty was... Uh, one of the writers, mm-hmm. uh, he was half of a writing team. They also wrote the movie uh, Mystery Date. So anyway, he is on vacation in Jamaica with, I believe, his fiance and another friend. Mm-hmm. Uh, they meet up with like an American couple and, or he meets up with an American couple and is never seen again. Oh, shit. Yeah. So it turns out that this American couple, and I think they might have been teachers, tried to mug him and killed him and dumped him in this like shark <gasps> bay. Oh my and God. And his body has never been found. Oh my God. Oh, wait. No, it's a Jamaican man, uh, did the actual killing or, mm-hmm. or something like that, but, uh, uh, who was somehow affiliated with the American couple. Like maybe yeah. he was, um, I don't know. The details are very shady because this happened in 1994. So it was before there was really a lot of like true crime on the internet and stuff. <laughs> You know, yeah, before there was a big, yeah, yeah, big market for it. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, that is just uh, another movie that we watched that has a, a strange murder, but the person who did it confessed, and I guess for some reason, uh, led the cops to where the guy's clothes was. So, like, he even uh, stripped Terry Runty, Jesus, yeah, and then dumped his body <laughs> to be chum. That's horrifying. Oh my god. Yeah. Wow. I guess he had two other accomplices, and it doesn't look like his accomplices were ever found. Maybe he killed everybody. He got life. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the guy who did it. Well, yeah. Yeah. 
Well, that's really sad. Was oh, I'm sorry. L- it was 1990 that it. Oh, which means he wrote this movie and it was in development for three years. So that means it was probably the last thing he ever did. Mm. I'm glad that they specified that it was a robbery as the motive and not that uh, the guy saw this movie. <laughs> It wasn't out yet. It was impossible. Yeah. He didn't know. Oh, I'm sorry. They found his arm. Jesus Christ. Oh, no, no, no. Sorry. Nine people were killed there, and they only found one arm. <laughs> Jesus What the Christ. fuck? What are you reading it's from? Called, it's called Shark's Rock. It's in Jamaica. Oh, so, uh, my God. I just want you to know, so you have ample warning, because I know you listen to a lot of murder podcasts, mm-hmm. and you try to prepare yourself. If I ever ask you to go to Jamaica, because you know I'm not a beach person. Or I know you're like not that. a beach person. So if I ever ask you to go to Jamaica, get your guard up because I'm planning on killing you. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I would never ask you to go to Jamaica. I know. You wouldn't even ask me to go to the beach. You don't like it. Nope. I'm not a big beach person either. Hmm. Like, it's fine, but I don't understand how people are like, I just love the beach. It's gross. It's hot and sandy. You get sand in all your crevices. You should stop going to nude beaches. You're the one who goes to the nude beach. Well, I like sand in my crevices. (laughs) (laughs) You would. You would. Okay, so that was was the murder for this episode. Oh, my God. Was there anything that you liked about this movie? Um, That it was under two hours. (laughs) Well, okay. So the things that I liked about it, like when I was growing up, I mean, obviously, like I played Super Mario Brothers. So I thought it was kind of cool, like for me as a child. So this was, it came out in 93, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm 11 when this came out. I mean, I liked the way that they explained who the Mario Brothers were and how they kind of got into this world and that it was a dimensional thing. And I liked the, you know, that they kind of, because in the video game, King Koopa is like, a dinosaur he's not a human at all right so i thought it was cool that they kind of like said he's a lizard but he's a lizard person and i liked his hair a lot i generally like anything dennis hopper's in true yeah you didn't like this (laughs) no 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 i guess he wanted to be really character so he's walking around uh during production like a dinosaur (laughs) (laughs) Did he pull his arms in a little bit? <laughs> Imagine so. And just like shake his ass and stuff. Oh, I hope so. So the song Walk the Dinosaur was done by Don Was, but it was part of his band Was Not Was. Mm-hmm. It was originally released in 1987. It was used in the 1994 Flintstones movie. And George Clinton kind of did like a cover. Mm-hmm. I don't know. <sighs> If it's really a cover or more of like a remix with him. Yeah. Uh, So this version with George Clinton on it is credited to the Goombas uh, that came out on the soundtrack in 1993. So I saw. So the song wasn't originally for the movie. It's just been used in this and the Flintstones. Okay. Which I've never seen the Flintstones movie and I'm not going to. Well, that's what you think. (sighs) I'm adding it to my list because I've seen it and I loved it. I saw George Clinton once. George Clinton and is it the fun- Uptown Funk or something? Who was it? Parliament Funk. Parliament Funkadelic. Yeah. I saw them at the Detroit Electronic Music Festival in 2002. Oh, okay. And it was amazing. Well, you were probably on the ecstasy. I wasn't. No. I wasn't. I was on drugs, but no. I wasn't on ecstasy. No. But I, I was. It was at Heart Plaza. Yep. 
in the middle of the summer and we were really far away, but I could still see just his hair and his outfit. And I was like, whoa, it was very, uh, it was, it was very exciting. You know, I used to help out my buddy, Marty, who did the stage monitors at Heart Plaza. Oh, really? And uh, yeah, so I got to hang out. I I did the downtown hoedown and stuff like that in the 90s. It was before the DEMF or whatever, the Detroit Electronic. Yeah. Yeah. Detroit Electronic Music Festival. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I never did that, but <laughs> I I got to eat with the celebrities for Downtown Hoedown. Oh, yeah. I know a lot of people who went to the Hoedown. I never went because I wasn't that into like country stuff. Yeah. I wasn't either, but I, I just kind of liked hanging out with Marty. Yeah. The guy, so. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Marty Drulliard. Marty Drulliard. That's so funny. That's like the third Marty we know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, for me, he was actually the first Marty. The, he, was I, the, yeah. he was the first Marty. Yep. Well, I'm sorry. This movie was stupid. <laughs> like, I know it's stupid, but I still like, I liked, I also liked the idea of how they kind of wove in elements of the video game into the movie. Like the little bombs or like the the mushroom, the fungus. Yeah, I feel like if they dipped more into the movie or, or into the video games, I probably would have liked it more because I was a big Super Mario 1, 2, and 3 fan. Mm-hmm. I could have used more of the, the Mario Brothers. kind yeah, of. And, of and, it. and, you know, there's not a lot of lore in Mario Brothers. It, no. You know, it's a side scroller, basically. Yeah, you know? it is. But uh, I remember when this came out, I was just like, eh, it doesn't really look like it has a lot to do with the game. So I, I passed on it just because it, it just didn't look that appealing to me even back then. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh. If my math is right, this is before the Super Nintendo. E- well, maybe it's. No, it was around the same time as Super. I think oh. it was maybe around the time of Super Nintendo's launch. Okay. Or maybe right after, but it was it was close to the time of Super Nintendo. I had a Super Nintendo for like a week and then I traded it to my brother for his bass guitar. Okay. Yeah. Well, all right. But I got the Super Nintendo for free when I worked in radio. Oh, nice. Yeah. So you got a free bunch of free stuff. Yeah. Good for you. And I don't think I was working in radio in 1993, though. So that's why I, I think maybe the Super Nintendo came out in 95. But I, I don't know. It's not that important. I don't know. But I could have done with, like, Bob Hoskins in, like, a, a squirrel costume, a flying squirrel yeah. costume or something. Well, it's or a raccoon. Flying raccoon, whatever. Yeah, like, he gets the leaf and he turns into a raccoon. Yeah. I I will say this. I enjoyed Bob Hoskins doing the same voice that he did in Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Yeah. That, uh, that was another thing that John Leguizamo was talking about, that he was kind of freaked out on set because of how quickly Bob Hoskins could go from accent to accent where they were like, all right, and action. And he's like, hey, Luigi, come over here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and cut. And he's like, oi, let's go into my trailer. Yeah. <laughs> we'll have a bit of whiskey. That's so funny. I love it. What do you think about this piece of shite? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess that would be pretty jarring yeah. to see someone just go back and forth between accents so yeah. flawlessly. Yeah. Where you're like, wait, what? Who am I talking? I mean. I watched the session on HBO and a lot of the cast in that is Australian and English. Mm-hmm. And that always freaks me out when I see interviews with them because like HBO will show like a little behind the scenes of the episode. Yeah. And, you know, seeing these people who do flawless American accents. 
and talk then, in their native yeah, accents. Yeah. Yeah. I wish I could do accents. I know. It really bums me out that I don't have an ear for music or accents, and I'm so fascinated by music and accents. I know. Yeah. I mean, for both of those things, I feel like if you really practiced with accents, I think you could get it. I think you are underestimating the amount of time <laughs> I drive around in my car going, what are you thinking about? <laughs> oh, my God. Oh. But I mean, like, being trained to do it, you know? Hada. Hada. <laughs> like, I'm constantly, like... Trying to do it. Yeah. Oh, well, I mean, I don't know. I think maybe you wouldn't be the best one, but I think you could do it. I don't know. I, I think... My fascination with music and accents and inability to do them really says is a good example or a good argument towards people being born with natural talent. I think that's true. Yeah. I think some people are more inclined for certain things yeah. because it's just comes more naturally to them than others. And it seems like a lot of like um, I've heard a lot of like British or Australian actors say that. It's easier for them to do American accents than vice versa, just because they grow up with so much American entertainment. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Mm. Like, I feel after, like, I watch in Bruges, I can do an Irish accent for about 40 seconds. <laughs> yeah, I think if it's right after you've watched something where someone has an accent, you can do it for, a, like, a couple of minutes. But then you get in your head about it, and you just can't do it anymore. Yeah. I remember when I did the episode of The Truth Cast where I wanted to have a Cockney accent. <laughs> I listened to Idols the whole way to the recording session. And as soon as I opened my mouth up to do the accent, I was like, oh, it's not there. Yeah, that was Australian. Oh, no. I'm not going to be able to find no. it. And, uh, yeah. So, yeah. Bob, Ho yeah, Bob Hoskins, way to go, man. Yeah. Even if it is the same voice that you did for Doesn't Roger matter. Rabbit, it's great. Yeah, it's a, it's flawless. It is flawless. I love it. Yeah. I didn't know that Bob Hoskins was Welsh when I was a kid because I knew him from Who Framed Roger Rabbit. I don't know if he's Welsh or if he's, uh, or if he's just from England. Merry old England, you say. <laughs> Were you just giving them an example of how you can't do accents? <laughs> Merry old England. Mm, it's really good. He's an English actor. Mm-hmm. He was born in 1942. Where? He was born in West Suffolk. Okay, England. so he is from England. Oi. He's a British actor. And he died in London. I know he did. In 2014. I know, and it was a tragedy. Yeah. Because he's he was a treasure. Pneumonia did him, man. It's very sad. I wish you would stop because I don't know what's happening. Like, it's gone in so many different directions. I think maybe he's Jewish because when he was 25 years old. This is so bad. Like, <laughs> he did a kibitz in Israel and herded camels in Syria. That's cool. Yeah. Thank you for showcasing how bad you are at accents. I really appreciate that. Absolutely. You're welcome. <laughs> yes. <laughs> You're welcome. I don't know. <laughs> Sorry. I believe you mean. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I did like that they had Yoshi, but Yoshi was criminally underused. Yeah. Yoshi really didn't do anything. All he did was kind of like attack the villainess. Oh, he was attacking her. I thought he had a foot fetish. <laughs> oh, yeah. 
No, his his tongue just got really long and wrapped around her foot and it pulled her away from... I also didn't like that they called her Daisy instead of something more... Princess Peach. Instead of Princess Peach. Or like having her name, like her last name be Peach or something like that. Because mm-hmm. they just call her Daisy the whole movie. And I'm like, well, that's stupid because it's Princess Peach, god damn it. I wonder if maybe they did originally call her Princess Peach and then uh, Dennis Hopper was like, ah, that's a peach I want to eat. And then they were like, ah, Daisy, let's call her Daisy. You don't eat daisies. don't think so. I doubt it. I want to find out if she's done anything else because it's Samantha Mathis. Yeah, Samantha Mathis was in a lot of, um, like, she's in, um, I think it was called Pump Up the Volume, where it's um, Christian Slater is like a pirate DJ operating out of the back of a van or mm-hmm. something like that. I think maybe she was dating River Phoenix at the time of his death, too. Possibly. Um, but, yeah, she hasn't really had that long of a career. I really liked her with um, some of the earlier things that she did around the time I was in high school and stuff. Uh-huh. Um, but, yeah, she has largely dropped out of the spotlight. Yeah, it looks like she's done, like, episodes of TV here and there. She had, like, a couple... She did, like, four episodes of something called Harsh Realm. Okay. In 2000. She was in American Psycho. Yep, yep. She sort of reminds me of uh, Jane Levy. Yeah. Before Jane Levy. (laughs) Yeah. She was in, um, like, an episode of Law & Order SVU. She was in three episodes of Law & Order SVU. So she's not, you know, she's not doing all that much right now. No, but, you know, I'm I'm sure... I'm sure she's had a good career and doing okay. I mean, she seems like she's doing fine. She's yeah. still working, so I mean, like, that's great. Yeah. Good for you. Yes, Samantha Mathis. Yeah. Way to go. The third writer on the movie, by the way, also wrote Men in Black and Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. That makes a lot of sense to me. I Okay, here's one thing I did like. Uh, it has... One of the top build cast, which I think is funny because I doubt that he was in the costume the whole movie, mm-hmm. is Mojo Nixon plays a um, kind of like a street musician, street barker, yeah. who gets turned into a Goomba guard. Yes. And one of the big Christmas traditions I have is listening to Mojo Nixon's Christmas album, Horny Holidays. Like, I really <laughs> like Mojo Nixon a lot. And he was really fun in this movie for the short period that he was in this movie. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. And I thought it was weird that Lance Henriksen is in it and has one line. Yeah, he's really not in it at all. He's the fungus. Mm-hmm. That the, was well, among us. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> he's, the, he's the king that King Koopa turned into a fungus so that he could take over. This is a, a weird, like, sexism thing in Hollywood. It makes you wonder, because this movie didn't do terribly well, mm-hmm. if the director, uh, being female, Annabelle Jenkel, mm-hmm. if maybe that led to her not really given a lot of other opportunities. Because, I mean, probably. Yeah. Like, she worked on Max Headroom and um, the Max Headroom television series. She also did a movie, DOA, with Dennis Quaid and Meg Ryan. Mm -hmm. And then she did this, and then she kind of went into more, like, music vanity projects where, um, you know, she did a thing on uh, Talking Heads, 
uh, Elvis Costello mm-hmm. and uh, something from like the about the Abbey Road Studios and stuff like that. Uh-huh. Unless maybe it was more of a thing where she's like, yeah, I'm more interested in that stuff. Well, so. it kind of seems like maybe that is the case because if it's it's not like she bounced around doing a bunch of different stuff. It's it's like no, she kind of went more into like music. What I liked about this too was it was shot in a studio in North Carolina, so I'm guessing at the time North Carolina must have had film incentives. And, yeah. um, you know, the production for that world, even though you could tell it was probably only that set that was yeah. about the size of a soundstage, mm-hmm. it still looked really cool. It did look really cool. It um it reminded me a little bit of Blade Runner because of all the neon. Yeah. The way but that a lot they of did Blade that. Runner was done with exteriors. Yes. Like, they yeah, would take off, like, blocks of downtown LA to do that. Yeah, no, yeah. I know that. But I just mean, like, the style... Right. Reminded me a little bit of Blade Runner, but yeah. I mean, yeah, like a cartoony Blade Runner. Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I liked it. I thought that the, yeah, the sets and everything looked really good, and the costumes I thought were really good. Like all the stuff that the Goombas wear. Fiona Shaw, who's the kind of like King Koopa's like right hand gal. I thought the way that they dressed her was absolutely horrifying and absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Because she's very severe looking. She has like really crazy red hair and she's kind of snake-like. Yeah. And they always put her in something very slinky and she looks very villainous. She's- she was really good in this too. Yeah. Like she, she knew that it was nonsense, but she committed to the nonsense. She did. And yeah. I thought she was amazing. I really do feel like because of the type of shit movies I like, I do wonder that if this were not a Mario Brothers movie, Mm -hmm. like if this were just like, you know, because it's no less silly than Big Trouble in Little China or anything like that. Like if it were just a, you know. Two guys. See ya. Yeah. I wonder if I would have ended up really enjoying this. Probably. Maybe. I I bet. I mean, I think you would have. I mean, I think because it's affiliated with with Nintendo, the Super Mario Brothers universe, it's kind of, you kind of go in thinking like, because it's not like it's a comic book movie no. where there's, you know, like a story there. It's literally just a video game movie that, what are the Mario Brothers? Nobody knows. Yeah, and it, it kind of makes you wonder, too, if it's just because video game movies have such a negative stigma. Yeah. <laughs> like, I can't off the top of my head name one good video game movie yeah like mortal Kombat or um the street fighter movie like they're not great movies right and like, and even like street fighter or mortal Com- well street fighter i think specifically did give their characters backstory when you're playing the video game i guess the tomb raider movies are okay mm-hmm. i never saw I, any of them no. i wasn't interested hey good news i'm not gonna make you watch them oh no so sad i think when you go in and you're kind of like they're inventing a universe where probably you yourself have already invented this very flat universe for them. It could be hard to absorb. Yeah. This is a weird technical question that has to have been something I did wrong. So you ended up buying this on DVD because it turns out that it was likely cheaper than even renting it streaming. We couldn't even stream this movie because that's what I would have. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's rather right. it wasn't that. Yeah. We- yeah, it wasn't that it was less expensive to buy it. We couldn't find it. Yeah, we couldn't find it to stream anywhere. The DVD was two ninety nine. The Blu-ray was like 40 bucks. I was like, well, oh, I guess I'm getting the DVD. <laughs> thank God you didn't. Because <laughs> the second oh. we 
popped it in, there's only like, you can do subtitles, you can select the scene, or you can play the movie. There's no, it's like very bare bones. There's no extras. So Mike looks at me and he jokes. He's like, oh my God, there's no extras. I'm so sad. (laughs) Well, actually, in all sincerity, I... If there were a making of feature at, I probably would watch that. Just because that kind of stuff interests yeah, me. Yeah, that's more. true. I'm yeah. sure there's something on YouTube. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm sure I can find it. I something. think that's probably all that's on YouTube because we tried to watch the movie on YouTube like a month or two ago and, and we could not find it. It, was, it had been removed. So I'm sure if there's like extras or something, it's probably on YouTube. So how much would we pay someone to take this DVD off? <laughs> It was only $3. I'm not. I'll give someone five bucks if they come over (laughs) and take this No, we're keeping it forever. I think it's a movie Benji would like. Yeah, I'm sure he'll think it's silly. I think it's the kind of movie that little kids like. It's not a good movie that I think adults like. (laughs) I enjoyed it still just because of the nostalgia, but I can certainly recognize that it's a very bad movie. It was fine. Yeah. I really liked uh, Fisher Stevens and the other actor who, like I said, the only thing I really knew him in was Ferris Bueller's Day Off. That was uh, Richard Edson. And uh, mm-hmm. like they had really good chemistry together, too. And, they did. You know, yeah. And he's been in other stuff. Like he was in Do the Right Thing. Uh, we haven't seen Three from Hell yet, but we should. Because we did see the other two Rob Zombie movies. Oh, that's in true. That yeah. Trilogy. Mm-hmm. Like, he doesn't have a huge career. And I was kind of surprised that, you know, he was in this because he and Fisher Stevenson's characters end up getting, like, shot with something that makes them smarter. Yeah. So, like, they both basically played two different characters. Yeah. Because they, oh, they look the same because in the beginning of the movie, they're really, really dumb. And they're like, oh, man, King Koopa's going to be mad at us. And then they go from like, well, well, good, sir. Like I just read this. Richard Edson was the original drummer for Sonic Youth. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Wow. I, I did not know that. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. They were really great. They had good chemistry. They were fun to watch. I like their costumes, too. Yeah, their costumes were, were good. They're fun looking. Yes. Mm. That was the other thing about this movie that I really liked. I liked the costuming and I liked um, the hair, especially in the alternate universe. Right. Where, you know, everybody's kind of a lizard mm-hmm. of some kind or a reptile of some kind. I like the way that they did human's hair so that it looked sort of like a reptile. Yeah. Like with um, Dennis Hopper's hair, the way that they did his hair so that he had kind of like the almost like the fins on top of his head that went all the way around or the way that they did um fisher stevens hair where it's like slicked back but then braided at the bottom and he has kind of like the interesting facial hair so he kind of looks like a reptile yeah uh both hairstylists on the movie are still doing stuff like uh michelle johnson was the key hairstylist and she just worked on spider-man far from home mm-hmm. quiet place part two both hair People worked on The Crow, the uh, 1994. Oh, nice. You know, not that any of these movies are as stylized as this one, but it's kind of neat seeing like, oh, cool. Like one thing I realized when I was in L.A. is as much of a hustle as there is for actors Mm -hmm. or writers, there's an equal hustle for like hair and makeup people. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's neat that they are in this really competitive field. And it has clearly worked out for them. Yeah. Way to go, hairstylist. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. I love it. 
Yep. All right. So uh, that was Super Mario Brothers. Yeah. I'm sorry it wasn't the best movie ever, but I'm glad that you found some things about it that were interesting. You know what? I love that we do this podcast together because it's a chance to not only share, you know, something ridiculous Mm -hmm. from our past with each other, but it's also an opportunity for us to kind of have like just us time. Yeah. So we can talk to each other. Yeah. I'm glad that, you know, we got, you know, a decent amount of listeners, you know, for a podcast that we don't really promote that much. Like, yeah. we have the Facebook group. If you mm-hmm. would like to, you know, find us on the Facebook group. Yeah. Really, maybe twice a week we mention the podcast where on Thursdays we'll post some sort of video about what movie we're going to discuss on the Friday show. And on Friday, we put a link to the podcast. Uh, but aside from that, mm-hmm. it's pretty much open for people to talk about whatever they want to with movies yeah yeah so i like doing this with you just because i love your company so I much love yours. but i also really really like the community that we've created on i Facebook. do too it is really fun to see yeah. people talking about you know different movies that they know were bad movies and really liked or or bringing up movies where they're like hey have you guys seen this one you know for yeah. The you made us watch segments and, and yeah i think it's a really fun community it was really fun to see Dennis comment like, did you guys know that Blood Diner is going to be streaming? Yeah. It's it's fun. It's really fun. Yep. And my friend Dougie, too, that I've known him, I, I should say, quote unquote, known him mm-hmm. since I was 25 because we were both in a Star Wars news group way back in the day. Oh, wow. And I am such a fan of his wit mm-hmm. and the stuff that he posts online. And I'm glad that more people are getting a chance to see that. Yeah. Because, you know, movies are so up his alley. Yeah. Like, he and I are the same age. You know, strangely, even though we both have very similar tastes now, we have very different backgrounds mm-hmm. aside from the fact that you know, he's from Australia and I'm from the Midwest of the United States. Yeah. I grew up with a lot of these movies where he discovered them later. And yeah, uh, yeah I, <laughs> that's another one of those things. Besides being great at accents and everything, mm-hmm. I love British and New Zealand and Australian wit a lot. Yeah. And he has such a dry wit and a lot of fun wordplay and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So, yeah, I would imagine if you're listening to this, you're already part of our Facebook group. But if you're not, you know, just... Look up Facebook groups you made me watch and uh, join the group and join the uh, the conversation. Yeah, we'd love to have you. All right, Allison, we watched Super Mario Brothers. We did. I love you. I love you too. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.